You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Falato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host, Nick Falato, and we're coming off quite the interesting week 10 with uh, several blowouts in this one. No Giants game, so the Giants couldn't win or lose. They were by in this week, and unfortunately, all three NFC East teams end up winning. The Dallas Cowboys absolutely slaughtered the Atlanta Falcons 43-3. to The Washington football team pulled the upset off at home coming off their bye week with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off their bye week as well, 29-19. to And then the Denver Broncos could not rise to the occasion against the Philadelphia Eagles in Denver, losing 30-13, to which is entirely too unfortunate right now. I mean, looking at the NFC East, it's no secret that the Dallas Cowboys are more than likely going to win this division. They are by far and away the best team on offense. They're incredibly explosive. Dak Prescott is the best quarterback. It's not even a question in this division, along with Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts, and Taylor Heineke. And that defense is coming along. Dan Quinn did an excellent job in this game, only allowing his former team to score three points, absolutely shutting down the Atlanta Falcons offense with a suffocating defense, very opportunistic defense. We saw another Trayvon Diggs interception in that game. So the NFC East, they're all getting wins, which is unfortunate. Atlanta heading into week 10 was the seventh seed in the NFC. That is no longer the case with the Carolina Panthers. And how about Cam Newton? We'll, we'll get into that in a second. But with the Carolina Panthers pulling off their upset against the Arizona Cardinals out into the desert, 34-10. to That was a very impressive game from the Carolina defense. Cam Newton on his first two plays, he scores touchdowns. I mean, that's just something out of Hollywood. Screams, I'm back, gets a penalty for it. It was uh, pretty cool, and I'm looking forward to seeing how Matt Rule and that offense under Cam Newton how it will actually be run. We saw Cam Newton last year, him struggle with the New England Patriots. He was reportedly dealing with a shoulder injury. Now he seems to be healthy. He's never been all that accurate of a quarterback. His athleticism isn't exactly there, but he's still an incredibly big body who is athletic. So he's always a threat near the goal line, as we saw in this game. Two touchdowns near the goal line. One was a rushing touchdown. The other was a fake run and then just a little toss to Robbie Anderson. It seems like it's going to be really interesting to see how all of this plays out with Matt Rule, with Cam Newton, with the Carolina Panthers. (laughs) Doesn't look good for the Sam Darnold experiment, but he's out for an extended period of time and I'm expecting that Cam Newton will probably end up starting next week, but I don't believe that's certain at the time of me recording this. But let's dive into these games and let's start with the Dallas Cowboys just absolutely beating down the Atlanta Falcons, man. Like, this is this is all-time just ugliness, grossness, just something you do not want to experience if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan. And let's go back to last year, 2020. I think it was week four. It might have been week three against the Dallas Cowboys. It was before Dak Prescott got hurt against the Giants in week five. The Falcons were up huge against the Dallas Cowboys and the Dallas Cowboys came back and defeated them in the most Atlanta Falcon fashion ever and in this game 
It was nothing like that. Right from the jump, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and the Dallas Cowboys just put it to the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, they scored 29 points in the second half. And a lot of it was just taking advantage of Atlanta Falcon mistakes, man. They blocked a punt, returned it for a touchdown. That came after a 10-play, 59-yard drive that was capped off by a C.D. Lamb touchdown, which was the second touchdown for Lamb. And they also had a 12-play, 68-yard run, just grinding it out with Ezekiel Elliott with a bunch of little passes to Amari Cooper, to C.D. Lamb. Ultimately, it ended up being capped off by Ezekiel Elliott for another touchdown. He had two touchdowns on this day. Dak Prescott had a rushing touchdown, had two touchdowns through the air, 396 yards passing. Just an absolute butt-kicking by the Dallas Cowboys. And that wouldn't be the only butt-kick we're going to go over, man, because the New England Patriots did the same thing. New England just took it to the Cleveland Browns, 45-7. to So you have a 43-3 to victory, Dallas over Atlanta, and now a 45-7 to victory, New England over Cleveland. And this is just a terrible look for Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. And I get it. Nick Chubby's out right now, COVID protocols. He's vaccinated, but he couldn't get back in time for this game. He couldn't get those two negative tests. And Baker Mayfield, it's time to put the team on your back. It's a really, really tough spot against a good defense, an underrated team in the New England Patriots who are now 6-4. and four. But if you win this game, you're putting yourself in a position to win that division. Now, there's so much football to come. Right? There's so much football that has to be played, but you gotta look, man. Thursday night football. Miami, 22 to 10, pull off the upset against Baltimore. Yet Pittsburgh end up tying, and the Bengals were by this week. You could have pulled it off, man. Major record six and four, but they had no shot whatsoever because in this game, New England just poured it on with their rushing attack. Ramondre Stevenson, who was starting because Damian Harris is out in concussion protocol. 20 carries for 100 yards and two touchdowns. Also added four catches for 14, and they were just doing whatever they wanted. Mac Jones was so efficient, 19 of 23 for only 198 yards with three touchdowns, and he was putting dimes out there, finding Hunter Henry, who ended up having two touchdowns in this game. Jacoby Myers scored his first touchdown of his career, which is something New England has been trying to do all season. He's had multiple touchdowns called back. He finally scored it after New England pulled Mac Jones out, and they put Brian Hoyer in. So Brian Hoyer came into this game and threw three passes, completed all three for 85 yards and a touchdown. It was a complete meltdown by the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield exited this game in the second half with an apparent injury. He was 11 for 21 for 73 yards, a touchdown interception. Wasn't doing anything before that. Case Keenum comes in, doesn't do that much more. They couldn't really get much going. Dearness Johnson had a couple really nice runs. His longest was 24 yards, and he finished with 99 yards on the day on 19 carries. But Cleveland just couldn't stop anything New England was doing. They just looked terrible. And this comes on the eve of Odell Beckham Jr. leaving your team. That whole distraction is now gone. Not saying Odell was the distraction, but the distraction of everything that was going on. Now it's your team, Baker Mayfield. You put the team on your back, go into a hostile environment and prove that you are the guy. And that did not happen. Unfortunately for Baker Mayfield, that did not happen. And it's just unfortunate because Baker Mayfield right now, the jury is out on his long-term stay with the Cleveland Browns. And the New England Patriots are a team that are also vying for wild-card positioning, as the Cleveland Browns are. And you just go out there and lay an absolute egg. And I get it. Like I said earlier, Nick Chubb's not there. But hey, everybody's dealing with injuries. Everybody's dealing with something right now. And the Cleveland just failed from the top down, from coaching to Baker Mayfield to this defense not being able to do much. It was just a horrendous output from 
from Cleveland. And then the Bills also blew out the Jets 45-17. to There were some garbage points scored late by the New York Jets, but this was just horrendous. Mike White, 24-44, 251 yards, four interceptions, just couldn't get past this Buffalo Bills defense. Josh Allen, 366 yards passing, two touchdowns. Matt Breida had six touches, a rushing touchdown, and a touchdown reception within those six touches. So, you know, let's go back to 2018, 2019. Matt Breida's being fantasy relevant right now but it was just another just absolute beatdown. buffalo's done this to several teams this season and they needed to do it against the jets here on the road because the last road game they played in jacksonville was embarrassing and they lost to the jaguars so good uh win on sean mcdermott's part in the buffalo bills there's not much else to take away here it's just mike white may not be usurping zach wilson whenever zach wilson does return healthy here because this was just a terrible showing for the kid and it sucks, man, because I wanted to watch him on Thursday Night Football. He ended up getting hurt last week. He comes into here, another tough spot. Can he do anything? Can he work his magic? And it just did not appear like he could because this was a terrible output as well, similar to the Browns. Moving on, though, to those Jacksonville Jaguars, like we were mentioning them just before. They come close to defeating the Indianapolis Colts here. It came down to the wire, and it did not look like it was going to be like that because the Colts were up 17 nothing in this game because they blocked a punt for a touchdown they had a field goal then they forced a three and out and then jonathan taylor had a four yard rushing touchdown after jonathan taylor just ripped off runs of 20 yards five yards eight yards seven yards just absolutely running the ball down jacksonville's throat and this looked like it was going to be a route similar to that thursday night football game last week against the new york jets but you know what Indianapolis Colts couldn't really do anything offensively. Carson Wentz kind of bogged down. He finished this game with a mediocre stat line, 180 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, Jonathan Taylor had 21 carries for 116 yards, added a touchdown. But there was a big chunk of this game from the second all the way to the fourth quarter, essentially, where the Colts offense was just stagnant and not doing anything. And the Jacksonville just slowly chipped and clawed and fought their way back into this game. And that was after they missed a pretty devastating field goal to open the second half. Nine-play, 48-yard drive to set up a 51-yard field goal. It's not easy, but something that Wright has definitely shown the ability to do, and he sent it wide right. Shout-out to Scott Norwood. But then it was a punt, punt, punt. Jacksonville ends up leading a drive. That was concluded by a James Robinson rushing touchdown. And then they end up getting another drive going a little bit later in the game. It's a one-score game at this point, 23-17. And sadly, Trevor Lawrence gets sacked, fumbles the football. It's recovered by Rutgers' own Kamoko Ture. And the Colts get the record to 5-5 five and five as they vie for wildcard positioning in the AFC, the division that is just being dominated by the Tennessee Titans at the moment. And then you have this tie, this tie. Pittsburgh Steelers and the Detroit Lions, man. This is uh, something because Ben Roethlisberger felt symptomatic on Saturday. So he got tested. It came out that he was positive. He didn't play. So Mason Rudolph stepped in. And he actually was adequate, I would say. 30 of 50 for 242 yards, a touchdown interception. It was a sloppy type of game in terms of weather. But you had the Detroit Lions who are 0-8 heading into this game. And this is a prime upset spot for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has done this in the past, man. They, they just they play down the competition quite a bit. Something I've realized because I've been knocked out of several knockout pools because of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not this year, but several years in the past, I've been knocked out because I bet on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And in this game, they didn't lose, but they didn't win. And 
the overtime period and just throughout this game, it seemed like neither team really wanted to win this game. And it sucks, man, because Ryan Santoso had, former giant Ryan Santoso had the ability to just be the guy, man, to just get propelled into the sky and just everybody, you know, hoist him up like he's Buddy Ryan after the Super Bowl. If he made his field goals, a 48-yard field goal, weather isn't great, but it was a pretty tragic-looking field goal attempt by Santoso, and if he made that field goal, it would have been the first win since week 13 last year against the Chicago Bears a week after Matt Patricia, I believe, was fired after that disgusting showing against the Houston Texans on Thanksgiving, 41-25 loss that was even much worse than that to be honest the reason Santoso even had the opportunity it wasn't because the Lions just won the toss and drove the football down they did win the toss but they did not drive the football down the field because they're the Detroit Lions and that passing attack is horrendous so the Steelers got the ball Mason Rudolph found Deontay Johnson for a nice gain and Johnson fumbled the football trying to do a little bit too much gave the football back to Santoso and the Lions set up that 48 yard field goal he missed it and then again another three and out by the Steelers another three and out by the Lions and then the Steelers have the football and they're driving into field goal range to win the game and rookie tight end Pat Fryermuth, who is an absolute stud fumbles the football it's recovered by Trey Flowers and the Lions run one play, can't really do anything with it, and we have a tie. And it's gross having a tie because now nothing is even. <laughs> the Lions are 0-8-1. Pittsburgh is 5-3-1. and But it's not a loss. And that's something for the Detroit Lions. I hope the Lions win a game because you can still go winless now. And I really don't want that to happen. I mean, when you have Jared Goff at your quarterback without Sean McVay, I don't believe he's won a game without Sean McVay when Jeff Fisher was his head coach while he was a rookie. But he's just not dynamic right now. 14 to 25 for 114 yards. And I get he's thrown to Khalif Raymond and Amon Ross St. Brown. But you have players like TJ Hawkinson who are just getting schemed out. The guy had one target in this game. Can we devise a little bit more offense for someone like TJ Hawkinson? And yes, you're playing TJ Watt. You're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. You probably kept them in the block a lot, but he's still too valuable of a weapon to not get going, especially when your other weapons consist of guys like Trenton Benson and Brock Wright and players like that. And TJ Watt ended up leaving this game with an injury, which is something to definitely monitor. I don't know the severity of said injury, but that's a devastating loss to one of the best defenses in the National Football League. And on Pittsburgh's side of things, hey, Najee Harris show, baby. 26 carries for 105 yards. Ends up getting four catches on four targets for 28 yards. Deontay Johnson had 13 targets here. And then Ray Ray McLeod had 12 as well. And he caught nine for 63. So there was no Chase Claypool in this game. And there's no... Juju Smith-Schuster, who's been out for quite a while now, and it was Ray-Ray McLeod who picked up a lot of the target share, whereas James Washington, Mason Rudolph's former college teammate at Oklahoma State, ends up catching a touchdown, but he only finished with two catches for 15 yards on six targets in this game. Let's move on to the Tennessee Titans defeating the New Orleans Saints. There was a roughing the passer call in this game that kind of irked me a little bit just because I feel bad for the defense. I'm going to say that. So this call ended up coming at the end of the first half. The Titans are driving down the field and Tannehill gets his team into a first and goal at the eight yard line. He gets greedy and tries fitting a ball into a place that he shouldn't have. Marcus Williams intercepts it. This would have been a huge play, but instead there's this roughing the passer where somebody just basically hits Tannehill as he releases it on the back and he falls down and they throw the roughing the passer penalty and that is a huge swing I mean this game ends 23 to 21 and the Tennessee Titans end up scoring a rushing touchdown on this drive it's just so undeserved 
that's a bad penalty right there. These types of penalties, and I know the NFL doesn't want the game to be slowed down, to be extended with constant reviews, but these types of plays are very hard to officiate. Everything's happening so fast. I don't understand how the NFL can ask these officials to to relegate these rules and to enforce these rules without them having all of these mistakes because these mistakes they're happening quite often there's a lot of these roughing the passer that are either ticky tacky or just flat out wrong like this one it was a flat out bad call and it just goes against new orleans saints and if it doesn't happen saints probably win this football game on the road against a team that was seven and two a really big upset win for a team vying for wild card positioning in the nfc but that doesn't end up happening. And I know a lot of other variables kind of go into it, but that is a huge call there that negated an interception by Marcus Williams. You can't have that call unless you are certain. There has to be some sort of contingency plan put in place to have these referees be bailed out when they do make a reactionary call or a bad call. I don't know exactly how they want to implement that, but this cannot continue with all of these mistakes that just keep benefiting the offense and just hurting the defense. And I'm all for protecting the offensive players. I think those dirty hits, they should be taken out of the game. But when you just do your job and hit the quarterback as he's releasing the ball and it's not helmet to helmet, you have to be able to review that or something that's that's all i wanted to say other than that though in this game the tennessee titans obviously without derrick henry they used a combination of deonta foreman adrian peterson jeremy mcnichols they averaged collectively 2.3 yards per carry so they have not been able to establish the run hashtag it ryan Tannehill had one touchdown in this game one touchdown pass so they're scoring through field goals they're scoring they're using marcus johnson who had six targets five catches for 100 yards because there was no julio jones who was now on the ir aj brown only had one catch in this game marcus Lattimore and the saints were all over him and then on the saints side of things there was no alvin kamara mark ingram 14 carries for 47 yards and a touchdown trevor simeon 298 yards passing two touchdowns one to traquan smith one to marquez callaway and it seemed like the saints could almost pull off this upset if you want to call it that come from behind type of victory i mean they scored a touchdown late in the game when simeon found callaway for 15 yards but recovering onside kicks is really difficult saints tried to did not work out moving on though to the Tampa bay buccaneers the giants opponent next week Let's talk about that game, but before we do it, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
So the Buccaneers have dropped two straight now. They lose this game to the Washington football team, 29-19. to Taylor Heineke gets his revenge. This is a revenge game to Heineke because let's remember, he played in that wild card game because Alex Smith was hurt last year and kind of put him on the map. He had a really good game. Obviously, the Buccaneers end up defeating them. Well, in this game, Washington gets the last laugh. Heineke finishes 26-32 of for 256 yards and a touchdown, but it was Antonio Gibson who was inefficient with the ball in his hands. 24 carries for 64 yards against one of the best rush defenses, but two touchdowns on the ground. When you score two touchdowns on the ground, that is how you end up winning football games. You control the clock, which Washington did a solid job at. They were opportunistic. They possessed the ball for 39 minutes in this game. This is how the Giants are going to have to win. They got to replicate this. And if they have Saquon Barkley, they have some of these receiving weapons fully healthy, Kadarius Toney, Kenny Galladay, they have a solid chance of doing so. Obviously, I'm still going to pick the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home to figure this out, but the way the Giants defense is playing right now with Patrick Graham, with that secondary, with the pass rush in the secondary playing in unison together, they can hopefully harass Tom Brady enough to maybe bait him into some mistakes, but then you're going to have to have Daniel Jones rise to the occasion in primetime, something he's never done. He's 0-7 in primetime, looked horrendous last year against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in primetime. You best believe Todd Bowles is going to be bringing heavy pressure against Daniel Jones because before this week Daniel Jones was tied with Mac Jones for a quarterback who was blitzed the most by opposing defensive coordinators obviously that's probably not the case right now they were tied first overall but the Giants were by so that's changed now but defensive coordinators are blitzing Daniel Jones Todd Bowles did it a lot last year so he needs to be ready to throw hot Jason Garrett needs to have these screens dialed up, and this is going to be an awesome chess match to watch. But Washington, they got out there Brady solidly. He threw two picks. One of them bounced off, I think, Jalen Darden's hands. It was like a fluky one that could have been ruled like a fumble, but it was given an interception to Brady. It was, wasn't really on top. But he finished two touchdowns, two interceptions, 220 yards. Bradbury's going to see a lot of Mike Evans. Evans had two catches for 62 yards and a touchdown. Chris Godwin's dealing with an injury right now. He played in this game. He, he saw some targets. He was utilized. Eight targets, seven catches for 57 yards, but you could tell he wasn't 100%. Lenny Fournette, eight catches, 45 yards on nine targets, 11 carries for 47 yards. But Washington did what they wanted to do. They kept moving the chains. Short passes, quick game. Get the football out of Taylor Heineke's hands. The guy threw the ball only 32 times, but he completed 26 of those passes. And then they just stuck with the run, stuck with the run, stuck with the run. Had their defense be opportunistic, force two turnovers, pick up first downs. I mean, they had 23 first downs. Tampa Bay had 14 first downs. Washington had 320 yards. Tampa Bay had 273. Tampa Bay is going to be angry, and they're going to be hungry on Monday Night Football. Two straight losses with a bye week in between by this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. They're now 6-3, and three, and now they get to play in front of a national audience. Tom Brady we're talking about here. That's scary for me and the Giants they're going to be in a position where they could try to make another statement game like they almost did against the Kansas City Chiefs we'll see how all that plays out but great effort by Washington here great effort by Taylor Heineke by Antonio Gibson and by this Washington football team because that last drive that they had because it looked like this was just going to be a classic Tampa Bay is going to come back and win this football game because Washington in the fourth quarter forced a punt and then Antoine Winfield forced a fumble on Dax Milne, giving the ball back to Tampa Bay down by 10 with plenty of time left, about an entire fourth quarter. It took Tom Brady three plays to find Mike Evans for a 40-yard touchdown bomb. 
So now the game is 23-19. to 19. So much time left. But Taylor Heineke and Washington led a 19-play 80-yard drive. That's insane. Capped off by an Antonio Gibson touchdown run, which ended up leaving less than a minute on the clock. It was 29 seconds left. That's such an impressive drive right there. Giants going to have to do something similar to this to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's going to be difficult, though. There's no doubt about it. Moving on to Carolina and Arizona Cardinals. Arizona, look, no Kyler Murray, no DeAndre Hopkins, no Chase Edmonds. So they're very beat up. But we saw Arizona last week win despite that. They beat up on Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. But in this game, it started early for the Carolina Panthers. A quick fumble by Colt McCoy was sacked by Hassan Reddick. Gave the ball to Carolina. Five plays later, they score a touchdown with Cam Newton. And then just four plays, Arizona punts. Another Cam Newton touchdown. This one was a pass to Robbie Anderson. And then Colt McCoy throws an interception. Colt McCoy ends up getting injured a little bit later in this game. And they had to bring in Chris Strievler, somebody I've really never heard of, to be honest with you. He was 6 of 9 for 36 yards. Arizona was just so out of sorts. James Conner ends up getting his one touchdown because I just feel like it's in his contract that he has to score a touchdown every week. This guy has just been money in terms of fantasy football. But Carolina Panthers, Christian McCaffrey, welcome back. 10 targets, 10 catches for 66 yards. 13 carries for 95 yards. Didn't get in the end zone. That was Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard, 9 carries, 27 yards, and he vultured a touchdown kind of early in the game, to be honest. And as I said a little bit earlier, it's going to be interesting to see what Matt Rule does with Cam Newton. I think he could be named the starter, but P.J. Walker was okay in this game. Wasn't all that explosive, but just kept checking down to Christian McCaffrey, getting the football out of his hands. He was 22 of 29 for 167 yards, and he also threw an interception in this game. But Carolina getting themselves back into the wild card race. I mean, remember, they started off 3-0, and then it was just absolutely abysmal. Sam Darnold, I have no idea what he was doing. Now he's out with a scapula injury. And now we have a really interesting thing going on with the Carolina quarterback situation. Welcome back, Cam Newton. You know, it's always good to have Cam Newton back in the league. I think he's a very interesting person to have in the league, and he's always been a fun guy to root for. But let's move on to the snooze fest that happened up in Green Bay. A 17-0 victory over the Seattle Seahawks. It wasn't even that convincing. It was 14 points scored in the fourth quarter by A.J. Dillon because Aaron Jones left with an injury at 21 carries for 66 yards and two touchdowns in this game. That is A.J. Dillon. Aaron Rodgers was 23 of 37 for 292 yards and an interception. And Russell Wilson was worse. Yes, he was 161 yards, 20 of 40 for zero touchdowns and two interceptions. Both of these quarterbacks seem to be really, really rusty. In this game, Aaron Rodgers coming off of the COVID-19 list. Russell Wilson returning from his ligament injury on his throwing hand. And Russell Wilson and the Seahawks team, they're 3-6. and six. Now they have to figure something out. It was really, really bad. Green Bay's defense has been playing some pretty good football. Let's not forget that they went into Arizona and beat up on Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre was hurt in that game, but he did gut it out and play. Kyler Murray got hurt in that game. And... So they've been playing some good football, the Green Bay Packers defense, but holding Tyler Lockett to two catches for 23 yards on eight targets and DK Metcalf three for 26 on eight targets. That's some Geno Smith type stuff right there, especially for Lockett. At least DK Metcalf was catching long touchdowns with Geno Smith, but they just couldn't get anything going, the Seattle Seahawks. And that's a big egg, bro. Zero, zero points. The first time Russell Wilson has ever been shut out in his career. I mean, that's just a terrible thing to have on your resume now, you know, but Russell Wilson's going to battle back. I'm sure he'll uh, be corny about it on social media and do some Russell Wilson things, but 
he's one of the better quarterbacks in our generation, and they'll figure it out, I'm sure. They're going to have to because that division is still pretty tough. I mean, they have not been winning football games, and they got the Cardinals next week, and they have to travel to Washington, and then they have the 49ers, and they have to travel to the Texans and the Rams. So it's not like it gets all that much easier. Yes, the Texans, that should be. But the Cardinals next week, Washington has proved, and that's a primetime game, to not be an easy out, especially in Washington, as Tampa Bay just learned. So they're going to need to really uh, go back to the drawing board here because it's been a pretty bad situation for Seattle this season. And now you get your guy back, Russell Wilson, and it was gross. And in this game, again, they had barely possessed the ball. They had 20 minutes time of possession, 208 total yards. Green Bay had just south of 400 at 393. All right, but that game was just a snooze fest, and if you bet the over, I feel bad for you. Eagles putting it to the Denver Broncos, 30-13. to Jalen Hurts, 178 yards passing, two touchdowns, both to Devonta Smith, who finished with four catches for 66 yards and two touchdowns, one being a 36-yard grab over Patrick Sertan, his former teammate at the University of Alabama. Hurts also threw an interception in this game. What you love to see from an Eagles standpoint, I know Eagles fans love this, they had 214 yards on the ground. Jordan Howard at 83, Boston Scott at 81, and Jalen Hurts had 53. That is a lot of running the football. It was one of the big points of contention with Nick Sirianni was his inability to run the football early in the season. Miles Sanders gets injured, and now he decides to run the football and it's not just because Miles Sanders isn't there. Miles Sanders is a fine running back, but he's committed to the run. Jordan Howard is getting it done. You know, Jordan Howard, he's seems like he's like 35, but I don't think he is. I think he's like 27 years old. He's just been around for quite a while, been on several different teams, but he's finding it right now. 6.9 yards per carry. Boston Scott, 7.4 in this game. And the Broncos, they're not the same team the Giants faced back in week one after they lost both their starting linebackers, Johnson and... Josie Jewell. They haven't been able to really be all that great against the run from everything that I've seen. But this is like, I look at the Broncos similar to I look at the Browns and I'm like, if you won this game, you would have been first in your division. Now, I don't know if the Browns would have been, but you would have put yourself into a position to gain a significant edge on your divisional mates. The Broncos win this game, they're six and four, which if the Raiders end up losing to the Chiefs, then the Chiefs and the Broncos would share the top of the division. Now, that would be amazing for the Broncos, but they lose, man. They lose to a team that's not all that great. They're playing good football right now. Their defense is playing a lot better, and they're running the football, as we said. But this is a gut-wrenching loss. Vic Fangio, he is on the hot seat. And losing games like this to the Philadelphia Eagles at home, not really putting up a huge fight. Teddy Bridgewater, 22 of 36, 226 yards. And I get that Pat Shermer wasn't there. They had Mike Shula calling the plays. That could have had a huge impact in this game. But the way you lose, man, that fumble return by Darius Slay, an 83-yard fumble return when you're driving down the field with an opportunity to tie the game after the Eagles threw a bad interception deep to Quez Watkins. Justin Simmons picks it off. Give the ball to your offense. And then Darius Slay picks it up and runs around in circles and then just somehow evades all 11 Denver Broncos to take that for back for a touchdown. Man, that was a wild play by Darius Lay. It's just a, a devastating way to lose for a coach who's on the hot seat more than likely right now. But there's still some football to be played. That wild card spot is definitely still open. But if Denver could have won this game, they would have really been a serious contender. And now it's just, oh, they lost at home to the Eagles. And it doesn't get much easier for the Denver Broncos, who have the Chargers next week, who lost. They have the Chiefs, 
in Arrowhead. And then they get the Lions, which is okay. The Bengals, not great. At Raiders, at Chargers. Chiefs to close out the season. Let's move on, though, to those Chargers. This will be the last game we're going over. We're not going over the Sunday night football game. And it's the Vikings, 27-20, to beating the Los Angeles Chargers here. This was a game where there was just a lot of Dalvin Cook, a lot of Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson had 11 targets, caught 9 for 143. Dalvin Cook was fed the ball 24 times. I think he had 6 or inside the 5-yard line. He only ends up getting one touchdown. Tyler Conklin gets two receiving touchdowns in that short area of the field. He finished three catches for 11 yards. Kirk Cousins, 294 yards passing, two touchdowns. I feel like the Vikings have lost so many close games this season. They were able to finally pull one out right here, 27-20. to 20. They propelled themselves to 4-5, and five, and it was on the back of a 12-play, 68-yard drive. In the end of the third quarter, into the fourth quarter, that was capped off by a Dalvin Cook touchdown rush. Now, right after that, the Chargers went on a 12-play, 69-yard drive here. And it got down to the six-yard line. And they kicked the field goal because they were down by 10 at that point. They had to kick the field goal, but then you putting it on your defense. The Chargers are saying, okay, we're going to put it on our defense. We need to force a turnover or force a punt and score a touchdown because we have Justin Herbert, we have Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, let's do that. They kick the field goal, but they never get the ball back after that because the Minnesota Vikings, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, 10-play, 36-yard drive, ends with Cousins just kneeling the ball several times. Good victory, though, for Minnesota. They need it in this NFC wildcard race right now. Los Angeles, I mean, they, they, they've been dropping games recently. They're going to need some victories as well. I mean, they're lost three of their last four. They defeated the Eagles last week, squeaked by 27 to 24, but lost to the Ravens. Then they were by, and then they lost to the Patriots at home. Patriots pulling off that upset. But in terms of stats in this game, Herbert was 20 of 34 for 195 yards, one touchdown, one pick, Keenan Allen, 11 targets, eight catches for 98 yards. Mike Williams, four catches for 33 yards, dropped what would have been a touchdown. Austin Eckler ends up having a receiving touchdown and Rushing the ball 11 times for 44 yards. Minnesota, 4-5. and five. Los Angeles, 5-4. and four. Things are getting really, really interesting here in the NFL. All righty, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. I am Nick Filato. Please head on over to Big Blue View and read all of our great content about the New York Giants, the NFL, fantasy football, and hopefully all the things you love. Everybody take care and have a lovely one. Bye-bye.